Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my yes! fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Oh, yeah. I am Chickity Chuck. And I am Godless. And uh, this That's is your weekly all. examination of all things metal that we like to post on uh, Mondays and stuff and uh, get you subscribed to on iTunes and all that stuff. This is where we examine metal. Uh, yeah, you see the writing all the time on MetalSucks.net, and then we get to put voices to it in some uh, in, in some, some respect. Way. Yeah, in yeah, some way. Of. Actually, oh, yeah, well, you just led me into something, but I'll, I'll leave it because we're going to talk about <laughs> yeah, it later. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> this is... This episode, we got a ton of stuff on here, man. We get we're going to talk to Adam D from Kill Switch Engage. My my boring interview with Adam. Even no, I, it's not dude, boring. It's, I I love the guy. I really do. He's such a nice guy. I don't honestly. Think it's, it's just the same thing like anything with Kill Switch Engage. It's exactly what you'd expect, and you know yeah, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's kind of good, and you compare it to anything else. That you know it's better, but it's Kill Switch Engage. We've had a lot of good interviews on this podcast so far in the twenty two episodes that we've done. We got a lot of good ones that are coming up too. Yeah, when I sat down and did this one, I was like, oh, oh, dude, I love you, man. But you got to, you got to, oh, never mind. It, I don't know. It's just me. It sort of fell flat a little bit. But I, we do I have, tried to be interesting as much have, as I could. So a, I tried. Guys. We have another gem of an interview. That's true. This week has been a week of amazing controversy that's been happening in the middle world. There's been all sorts of stuff, whether it's Blake Judd getting arrested in Chicago for uh, selling, uh, well, I don't know what it was. I thought he stole something. I, he stole something. No, I think he stole somebody's money. He was selling something that wasn't real. I don't know. I don't know what the whole story yeah, is behind know. that. That was a crazy thing, man. And nobody knows exactly yet. The 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 arrest record was pretty vague when he came to that. But then the whole White Wizard thing has been happening this week. And if there's one band that was never on my radar to begin with was really White Wizard. I, I was never a big fan of them in the first place. But then this controversy came up this week, and it's been crazy dude yeah. i mean like crazy ex-girlfriend crazy like <laughs> like stuff you just don't want to happen to anybody so we had to talk to the dudes we did and uh, that was one of the things that we've been trying to do more of here on the yeah. podcast is like when stuff when news breaks we break wind you know yeah. we want to get in there and <laughs> and find out what the hell's going on from the people that are actually experiencing this stuff as it goes and uh what's his name john Leon, 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 Leon. He he wouldn't really uh, be in trouble getting. Uh, yeah. yeah, basically, if you want to find out what he's thinking, read his Facebook page because right. he has no problem spouting every single thought in his entire head right there on Facebook. That's been pretty much his his thing, right? That he's been doing. Yeah. Then you got the other side of the camp that's like, I don't know what the what what. It's it's been so crazy, man. So, so we, we had to we, Joseph, right? Yeah, we had to talk to Joseph and uh, find out what's going on. So we're going to talk about that. Yeah, so we're playing a new song by Protest the Hero. Okay, yes, yeah, so we got the new record from Protest the Hero. I think we're going to talk to Roddy next week. Maybe yeah. it's either going to be him or uh, Chance from Skeleton. Which both, either way, new records, awesome. Yep. So we're going to play that here uh, in a little bit. But we wanted to talk about something that was uh, that that came up with. Uh, I hate to bring up anything that has to do with Glenn Danzig. I really do. It, it's you know he is. I mean. I mean, especially as he ages and grows wider, an easy target. You kids, get out of my uh, damn audience, you sons of bitches. But he pulled the same thing that, uh, what's his face from Queensryche did. 
oh the the filming the show or whatever right the, the yeah, yeah 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 so somebody's got his cell phone out he's taking a video of him singing blood and tears <laughs> I love that song. Oh. That, my first like makeout so with not, a girl was during Blood and Tears. Dude. So, so not a dancing fan. It was I've either that been... or Under Her Black Wings. Three liter of Mountain no, no, Dew. No, it was Blood and Tears. Oh, sorry. <laughs> dude. Oh. The shopping list is my favorite thing that anybody's ever did relating to Danzig at all. <laughs> so. I love Danzig. The first three albums, awesome. Uh, I mean, I, I still love those albums. Uh, you know... I, He's, I don't know. I, I've never been a big fan of his music. Oh, I mean, the there, heavy metal Elvis is great. Well, there are some songs here and there that I dug, but you know, whatever. I mean, mm. the, this thing with the incident with the cell phone, basically. So, what did he do? All right, so so somebody's in the audience and he's filming with the cell phone camera. Yeah. It now it looks like that club's a lot smaller than you know. I don't know if he's the like last point, time I saw him was at at 1,500, 1,800. Right. This looked like there. a two hundred seater, but yeah. that's you know. Uh, uh, so maybe, you know, the whole Danzig thing is kind of on the, you know, people are starting to fall off. But anyway, so he's um, uh, filming with the camera, and Danzig, as soon as the song starts, you can see that he's pissed off, that he can see the camera. He's pointing to somebody off stage, like, hey, get that camera down. He's trying to do that while singing, uh, well, since you've been gone, I feel you've been crying. Yeah. So, and then, and then he, like, does this, like, you know, cut it out signal to the guy. And then, and the guy still doesn't take down the camera. And then eventually, Danzig says, "Somebody punch that guy." And then the camera goes like down into somebody's pocket or Aww. something, and that, and it's over. So, you know, it sort of comes to the thing is, you know, it's like, well, dude, you know, there are cameras everywhere because everybody's got one in their yeah, pocket. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it was different back in the day when you had to have a gigantic bag or throw it on your shoulder to right. film anything that was worthwhile. And now everybody's got one just stuffed in their pocket. Exactly. A uh, 50 megapixel camera. How do you how do you not do that? It wasn't that many years ago when you'd go to like a film festival or a, a, a concert and they would say, they would check your pockets if you got a camera in yeah. there, you they ta- they'd confiscate it. When cameras got to be small enough to stick in your pocket, you know, beforehand, or because even when you used to be able to get those uh, disposable ones for the longest time, like they would take them away from you, that yep. kind of thing. Because, but that was more to do with the flash, not to do with what they're talking about, with what a lot of them are all, all about now. I, Maybe. I don't, I, I don't, don't know. know what the reason behind having a camera or not having a camera at a show is. That's that's what kind of bugs me. I think that it's like Danzig's like, look, if I want a video out on the web, I want it to be controlled by me. I want to make sure that I've got, you know, five different cameras edited. It sounds good. It looks good. And it's a performance that I want. I want the opportunity to redo some stuff if I don't like it. That angle makes him look fat. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, it's, when he doesn't have that control, he's like, yeah i guess man i don't like it i mean now the only reason that i hate cameras it shows is because i'm tired of looking at people's screens more than anything else i mean if you want to if you want to film something at a show though you should be able to do it i mean now now it's just more press but then again he's gonna probably gonna get more legs out of him telling somebody to punch him than he is gonna be out of that crappy video the dude took that he's gonna post on youtube and get 10 views for so but i just think that that you know back in the day people will be like yeah go get him glenn but nowadays it's like uh, glenn's a jerk 
Yeah, yeah. And I it just so. adds to the mythology of Glenn, and and that mythology is not a good one. Right. <laughs> you know, like like for me, I went, I was super excited at Fun 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 Fest. Was it uh, la- two years ago? Last oh, year? yeah. And to, to the French onion soup incident. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I was super excited. And he waits like 40 minutes before he comes out on stage. It's a festival. They got a cutoff time. He doesn't even get to the Misfits material, and the show's over. And then he starts like you know telling everybody, "Hey, you need to riot!" And everybody's kind of like, uh, "Riot, Glenn, you were late to the stage." Yeah, yeah. I mean, when, it, when the stage is dark and you're standing on the side and people can see you, uh, maybe that's not us. But it's sort of like for me, it's like when you know, as a big fan of those first three Danzig records, I'd like to, you know, I, I wanted to see him when he comes yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to put the money down anymore because I felt totally. Well, now, if you wait, you can buy the DVD, dude, once he gets the 10-camera shoot and gets it all filmed up, man. Maybe (gasps) Danzig and IMAX. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't wait. That'll be intense, man. <laughs> I, I just picture that, that that show, probably there's a sign on the door. It says, Mr. Glenn Danzig requests that you do not no, videotape there, his there, show. There was. There there was at Stubbs as well yeah. when, when he played at Stubbs here in Austin. I mean, it was the same thing. They asked you not to take pictures. And and the thing, I get, I can get that. You know, that's a that's an artist's right to choose that. But really, you're just not going to. How do you get away? How do you do that? I it's mean, a, how do you not? it's a it's a a ridiculous request at this point when we went to uh i get we went to queens of the stone age for a taping of acl and they had a no camera policy Mm -hmm. and that was another thing they're like okay before the show started they're like okay if you want to take pictures do it all now but make sure you put them away and more more than anything that's about affecting the professional video that's being shot right now right you know that's about a f- because if you get flashes and stuff going off with those cameras going on that you could ruin the picture that they're going to put on that they're that they're professionally filming for a show so i get that that's a soundstage sort of thing and that's a different situation when you're at a concert at a venue shut the hell up and just let people take pictures and let them do it you know i and i can i don't get why artists or anybody would have a problem with that controlling your image and all that stuff i get it but it just doesn't make any sense to to try to dissuade anybody from that instead you want to use it i mean i think about the beastie boys when they put out the you know i fucking shot that movie Mm -hmm. you know that that was one of the coolest uses of found in self-shot footage ever in the history of cameras like i thought that was one of the coolest things ever because it took that sort of idea and then blended it into something for the band they used that and made it something that, something their own created a great way to combine those things together and just nobody i don't understand why anybody would have a problem with anything like that not, not except me. the fans i was gonna say now me personally as a fan going to a show it really pisses me off to be standing behind somebody holding up their iPad and watching their iPad, you know, shooting a stupid video that nobody's going to watch. <laughs> and and I can't see the damn show because I'm not, you know, seven feet tall. It annoys me to see that and people fucking with their phones the entire show instead of actually watching what's going on. Like, that, that is really annoying to me. Like, I'll do this thing where... I take a picture of the band as soon as they come out on stage. Whenever they come out, boom, first song, I try to take a quick pic, post it on uh, post it on Instagram or put it on soundtracking, and and then I'm out. Phone in the pocket, and I'm done. You know, Then I don't think about my phone at all throughout the set. And then when it's done, I'll pop it out, check my email, do whatever, You know, make sure everything posted or whatever, and I'm done. Put it away during the set. If I'm going to talk to somebody during the set, I try not to talk during somebody's set. If I'm interested in the band, 
I, and I'll move up front. I'll get up there to where I can see and not have to deal with any of that stuff because I don't want to be distracted. And to me, phones and things like that are just nothing more than a distraction at a show. And that's that would be the one legit reason why I could see an artist doing that. But if if you're paying for your ticket, you should be able to do whatever you want to do. That's why I don't really bitch about it that much. Yeah, if you're if you're, I mean, if, personally, I think you're at a show like a uh, you know where you're moving around. It's not an assigned seating thing. Then the the fans should ma- you know sort of manage themselves. You know, it's like you got some people who want to put up their stupid iPad. There should be four people you know who are going to go. You know, I'm going to step in front of you, yeah. or I'm going to bumping on the back of the head with my empty beer can do something like that to kind of manage let it manage itself i think you spray bottles you just carry a spray bottle with you and you know like cats you know and then boom their iphone doesn't work yeah and then you go oh man i'm so sorry i didn't mean to do that where's the rice yeah where's my rice (laughs) oh my god i I need rice now (laughs) you know so i think we should start start doing that throwing (laughs) people's phones in toilets done and done yeah it's been sanctioned by the metal sucks podcast okay no no. just carry a toilet everywhere you go don't don't do that i carry a toilet wherever i go it's in my (laughs) pants trust me trust me on this Hey, we got to get into some of these interviews, man, because we're we're gonna we run long every week now. Yeah. We try to keep it. To At an some hour. point, we're gonna like you know this is the problem. If we said we were doing a ninety minute show, the show would go 95, 98 exactly. minutes. Exactly, that's how it would always roll, man. So it might as well just say sixty and do sixty eight, sixty nine. Whatever. Now the big controversy of the week we were talking about it earlier was uh, was uh, Joe Michael from uh, White Wizard and John Leon from uh, from White Wizard basically got into a bout of sorts on their tour in London, England. Or in uh, in the UK, basically, it was supposed to be a tour of the entire UK, some of Europe, uh, and it was it didn't go so well. <laughs> it just did not <laughs> did not go very well at all. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, John Michael or Joe Michael was fired uh, during one of their or after one of their shows, and then refused to play the next night when. Uh, they had a show. I think it was in Cardiff or something about that. Oh, was, no, I think the Cardiff got canceled. Uh, it's a show after it was, whatever. It was just a mess, dude. If yeah. you've been following any of this stuff on Facebook, it's been it's it's been a big, big, big mess. So yeah, and if you haven't, so this is it. There's the dude who got fired. Then there's the accusation of stealing a fan's purse. We're really only going to get into the first part of this where Joe Michael explains why uh, and what happened behind the whole controversy in him. We could talk a little bit more about that after we after we hear directly from him. Let's go ahead and talk about what exactly kind of went down the past few days or the past week or so with um, you being removed from White Wizard. We're talking to uh, Joseph Michael of White Wizard, former lead singer of of White Wizard, and you were removed mid-tour from the band. Tell us exactly how everything went down. All right. Um, Just lay it out (laughs) Without without reciting uh, what would be the length of a book, um, th- there have been some some issues with with money and accounting and uh, some managerial aspects of uh, White Wizard, and uh, it, it, uh, I mean it ended up in, in Giovanni quitting after the last tour when the numbers weren't adding up and other other factors. Um, so uh, we we ended up getting another drummer maybe a week before this tour. Uh, there's a lot of tension because 
the only person who really fronted, well, no, Will Walner fronted most of the money for this tour with the uh, promise that he'd be paid back with the first monies uh, from the first few shows. And that just wasn't happening. Um, I, I, I just, you know, every, everyone, like, has had their issues and complaints and nobody's stepping up and saying anything. And eventually I just, uh, I called John out on it. I, I, you know, he's been, he's been basically embezzling money from the other members. Um, he embezzled money from the uh, Indiegogo account. Uh, we're missing a thousand from the Indiegogo account. And it's just, it's not accounted for. He, he doesn't even mention it. So I called him out in, a, in an email uh, the night he canceled uh, the Norwich show which was the night before the Cardiff show. He just said a bunch of bullshit and then told me to go take a hike that I'm fired, that he could find anybody to replace me. So I went to bed and said, okay, fuck it, I'm fired. <laughs> and uh, I woke up the next morning and when I had internet access, uh, I messaged Peter Ellis and I said, hey, listen, Ellis, uh, you know, you guys are in danger of having this Tour canceled, uh, mainland doesn't look good because John hasn't gotten a second car, but Will still hasn't been paid back about, you know, 600 pounds. I'm like, would you be willing to to fill in on the next two dates just so Will can get his money back? And uh, he's like, you need to talk to John, whatever, whatever. I said, fine, do whatever you guys want. I, uh, we all shared the same car, me, Jake, Will, and Don Adams, the filmmaker who was on tour with us filming our documentary and uh, that's going on in the middle of this too movie i'll tell you what um so so obviously we're all in the same fucking car so yes i go to cardiff with the rest of the guy i sit in a in a pub which there's a fucking pub on every corner that's all there is in this fucking country and uh it's like two blocks from the venue and I've, I've got my laptop, and I'm just working and doing my thing and waiting for Will and Jake to get out of their gigs so we can go back to the to the next hotel. And, uh, you know, like, obviously, those guys, like, John was either bluffing or, you know, doing the same shit he always does, thinking he can control everybody. And uh, he came in, he's like, you've got to do the show. I'm like, dude, you fired me. I'm not in the band. I'm not doing the show. You know, it's pretty fucking straightforward, right? I called you out for stealing you fire me, why the fuck should I go in there and sing the show? Like, I'm not in the band. You, you, obviously, you had it handled. You fired me last night. I'm not the boss. You're the boss, right? So I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going in there. I'm not in the band. Like, uh, I don't know what this has to do with me. Um, I, I even, like, tried to get a, a, a guy to do the show so Will wouldn't get screwed out of his money. And... Uh, they, they go on stage and I hear that, uh, you know, he's telling me that I'm just sitting, he's telling the fans that I'm sitting in some pub and I refuse to go on stage and it was all last minute and, like, he has no idea why I won't come and I have fans coming into the bar, like, pleading with me. It was fucking horrible. Like, I'm like, what, 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 do, you, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm just supposed to fucking suck this guy's cock after this? No, you're yeah. supposed to pull up White Wizard on the karaoke machine, man. That's what you're supposed to and do. rock it out at the rock pub next door. Rock it out at the pub next door. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a couple of really hilarious videos of some untalented singers fucking just being pulled up there. It's just really bad. It's, uh, and it, it's, and that ultimately, that led Jake Dreyer just to fly fucking home. And that's, that's really why the tour was canceled. I was fired. John didn't fucking have a plan. 
Jake Carter told him to fuck off and left on a plane. And they all like to blame me, but I didn't do a fucking thing wrong except try and stick up for my band who was being robbed of money. How do you know or do you have proof that there was actually money that was being taken? I mean, how do you know that, that, was, uh, that, that that's a true statement? You think I get on a plane to a fucking another continent without knowing what the numbers entail? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Without that makes knowing sense. what to expect. I do this for a living. Yeah. I don't step in my house until I know how much money I'm going to make. You know, like in the end, we do this for, for music, but you, the numbers come first. Anyone that tells you otherwise is full of shit, right? They're selling you something. And uh, so we all knew how much we should have. Like at the end of each show and at the end of which run, the end of the UK run, and there's just money being bled, and then messages from John. Oh, like there was no, uh, there was no. Uh, well, first of all, Will paid for all of the hotels out of his own money. He fronted everything, right? He, he fronted all the car rentals, all the hotels, and the flights, the connecting flights. So we we booked a hotel for them outside of uh, Cardiff from the night before, right? At, at, like, when the Norwich show was supposed to take place. So they say, uh, him and the, the, the replacement drummer, their, their thing was that they spent 60 pounds taking a cab into the city so they could eat, and then taking a cab back. And it, it, it like, that, that was like the least of it, but this is, it's just endemic of what what was going on like there was just money being hidden like we should have had like 400 pounds each profit after the uk run and we were down i don't know like 300 pounds plus will walner still is owed 450 and jake dryer's flight still wasn't covered for about 1200 pounds like just money is just gone everywhere and with no explanation so you guys were getting paid a percentage of the net was the idea that is the deal, yes. And we worked out what the net would be before we even got on. Everything was budgeted. This isn't a, an amateur, uh, uh, you know. We're not amateurs. Wow. So why was the Norwich show canceled? John Leon wanted to party in Manchester. He thought there'd be a low turnout and we wouldn't sell enough merch to justify it. All right. So that leads us to the Indiegogo thing. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it was something about how it was supposed to raise money to pay for the tour, but it actually ended up going into uh, the monies went into uh, manufacturing T-shirts that would then be sold during the tour in order to make it back. That's the idea. Yeah, this 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 happened. Uh, this this happened the the last tour with the, with the shirts. Um, you know, this is kind of like his his little game. Like what he does is he. Someone will front money for merch, will sell the merch, he keeps all the money and then keeps all the merch and does not pay the person back that fronts. Now what happened this time is that uh, we had more than enough money to cover all the flights, all the overhead to get out there um, and to cover every single like manufacturing cost and postage cost and, and things like you know bubble mailers and, and things like that, right? It was all there, and uh, the the problem was that uh, John is he's the owner of White Wizard LLC, and uh, all the monies from Indiegogo were wired directly into his account, except for when someone pays by PayPal. 
know, Will, because he's the one that mainly did all the artwork, all the administration for the actual Indiegogo site, he had, he'd been getting emails and had access to how much money was actually going into the PayPal account. Now, at the end of the day, we end up about $1,000 short. And that's not even including the extra uh, shipping costs that we charged. Anyone overseas, they had to pay $10. So the, the numbers that were short, are, are they're underestimates. So all that money is gone. And we, well, I say we, I'm not in the band anymore. This is now John Leon. He's the only one left. Um, there, there is no money left in the Indiegogo fund. And there are... I don't know, half, half of a hundred shirts to print, uh, CDs to manufacture, shipping costs that have to be incurred. Just it's it, it's a it's a freaking nightmare. So what was John saying when you uh, you know first started you know you brought that night you brought up the the fact that you felt that the money was uh, uh, going in all the wrong places? What what, what was he? What, how did he defend himself? thing is, he doesn't defend himself on the issues. He brings up other things. Like, he, he never will, uh, it, no matter what the argument is, uh, he will never address the issue head on. He just runs circles around it until your head is spinning and you just want to fucking kill the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, like like a bad that? girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. He's like a fucking bitch. Like, <laughs> No, really. Like, oh, no. Guy, I, yeah, I'm like, man, I think I was in that relationship when I was 18, <laughs> dude. It's like, damn. Yeah. Yeah, I've been in a few of those. No, um, what what the hell was the issue he kept bringing up instead of uh, instead of talking about the money? You never flush the toilet in the morning, man. <laughs> oh, you always leave your clothes around the bus, man. Oh, um, yeah. He, <laughs> he did. What? When we did the record, he gave me these shitty demos, and I rewrote, like, a bunch of the fucking melodies, and, and, and I wrote all the harmonies. And in interviews, I gave him way more credit than he actually deserved. I said he wrote about 90% of the vocal melodies. And so he, he kept bringing up, so if you're lying in interviews, man, I wrote all those. I wrote all those melodies. And, like, you know, he just keeps obfuscating the fucking issue. I mean, I have the Facebook messages, but that would be just stupid. You've been in the band for how long now? A year, year and a half? Uh, I joined the band a, a few weeks before that North American Assault Tour in uh, 2012, August 2012. And when do you think you started to see this sort of go south with uh, with him? And I, I mean, is this something you saw like right off the bat? Or I mean, because yeah. the history, you know, six lead singers, six different lead singers, uh, what, five, six guitarists, two, three drummers. I mean, you can see it kind of on the page. I mean, is it something you saw right off the bat? or? Well, you know, here's the thing. Like, they were signed, and uh, I, I wanted to be on a record with Ralph Patlin, and, and the band was fucking good. And uh, I thought maybe, like, you know, just some of the old members just didn't, you know, didn't, they weren't like me. They weren't fucking getting his face, you know. So uh, I did the first tour... And the motherfucker rented us hit the van, the band van. He rented the rest of the van, like the band. Like this, this van was already paid for with, with money that the, the band had already made. And then he's like, if we use my band, you guys have to pay me $100 a day. So when the tour was done, all the profits went into his pocket. 
Jake didn't get paid back for all the merch he bought, and I didn't get the monies that I was promised as a new member. I was supposed to get a minimum, and I did not get that. And I had a contract for it, and I still didn't get it. So at the end of the tour, because I, I don't know if you know anything about me, but I own a small label. I do know bookkeeping. I know how to do all this shit. And I thought we could have a like really open and simple accounting process. And I proposed it. I said, look, I'll do it for free. Like, you know, this will be really easy. Because I know he doesn't keep fucking receipts on the road, no gas receipts, just estimates at the end of the fucking tours. And this turned into the biggest clusterfuck you could ever imagine. <laughs> like... Him calling me like like greedy and, and like I gave you a hell of a deal like for a new singer and all this bullshit and and you know like I tried to get the other band members on board but they didn't want to really rock the boat and you know Giovanni's like he does this every time you know and uh, he's Italian <laughs> so it, yeah from the fucking beginning I knew that something was up but I didn't care you know we had a record like after tour the label was like oh shit this lineup's fucking great we want to do the record and uh we ended up getting you know pretty good chunk of money to do devil's cut and you know you just you get kind of led along you know you get that carrot and you just kind of ignore all the bullshit just to get the job done but after seeing all this like i'm sitting in that fucking bar and like i got fans coming in and hitting me like there's like almost tears Fucking, you know, it's like, it's like, you know what, like, as much as it hurts to, like, sit here and not go on stage, like, even though I have no obligation to, like, I'm not going to let that fuck exist for one more fucking day with my help. Is this what happens when you let a bass player run a band? <laughs> I could say something in really poor taste right now, but I won't. <laughs> Uh, we always uh, we have a running joke about bass players. So, so it sounds like like you had at least some sort of relationship with Peter Ellis, and uh, that you were able to reach out to him. Is that right? Yes, we were uh, uh, what I would consider Facebook friends, and and uh, we had some good camaraderie on the first few dates. But I think he saw an opportunity, and uh, he didn't mention anything about. Uh, me messaging him the, the day of the gig and like he just like pretended like I just out of the blue like was sitting in that bar and I just read his little shit interview that on the site that by the way he works for like calling me out and saying I was wrong and saying he had no idea it's just unbelievable the fucking lowlifes you meet in this industry can you talk about this car ride that you had after you had the conversation with John when you're in there with Jake and and it was it Jake and Willie said you're in the car. I mean, what what was the vibe? I mean, I imagine it's tense. No, all right. Uh, when after you had the conversation with John, you had the sort of throwdown. You guys are going to the next gig, and you've been fired, and you know you're sitting with the rest of the band in the car, right? Well, yeah, and you know the thing is, is that like we all have different personalities. They're very non-confrontational, and. Uh, like, I am not, like, once once the decision's been made for me, like, I, yeah, I'm just going to stand there and stick by it. And they did, I, I think what happened was they really didn't think I was going to, like, take on firing me to heart. They probably thought that I was going to do that gig, but, uh, no. It's like lightning in my hands, an electric sun and steel, to blaze across the stars, life is on my
right, so bands, when you have controversy, listen to episode, which episode was that? Was that number 18, 19 that we <laughs> talked like about that. band controversy? <laughs> Jesus, dude. Well, I think that White Wizard, I mean, as messy as it is. White Wizard on a Metal uh, Sucks podcast, by the way. It, uh. as, as messy as it is, I think that, that they handled it about as well as they could considering the mess it became i think if all this were hitting the fan and nobody was getting an idea as to what was going on i think that that everybody would be sort of confused and as messy as it is no no, no, no. i think this i think i think what we wound up with here is because what we talked about when we talked about bands uh, heading off controversy like uh, getting ahead of it we're really referencing the idea that the band Needs to make a statement. Needs to say something because we were talking sort of about uh, uh, who were as it lay dying. Maybe we were talking about them like posting that thing on Facebook that had nothing. The eBay thing. On, oh, on, right. remember that? Like yeah. there was some mm-hmm. of that. The idea is that the band needs to know what the hell is going on because if the band doesn't know what's going on and you're not don't not showing a unified front, everybody's got a voice nowadays. Right. So Joe My- uh, Joe Michael's got a uh, Facebook page. John Leon's got a Facebook page. Well, Waller's got a Facebook page, and everybody else is making their own separate statements about things and not talking to each other. So you get this really convoluted and mixed up message that everybody's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. But I don't think it's that hard to figure out. And I think the reason it's not hard to figure out is because you get a whole boatload of information and then it just comes down to who is it to believe? No, no, it's hard to figure out just like, you know, whether or not Obama's a Kenyan. It's it's one of those things that that if you believe John Leon, you're going to believe John Leon's side of the story. If you believe Joe Michael, you're going to believe Joe Michael. From the outside, if you're trying to take all of it looking in, you get one picture, but you're not presenting a unified front for the band. Well, you can't provide a uni- have a unified front on this because they're not a band anymore. Well, true, true. I mean, that that is the hard part is that now it's all everybody's butt hurt and they're posting whatever. Yeah, and they so. have different, you know, th- there's different motivations and different, you know, they're, they're, there's no way. I mean, granted, it would have been awesome if, you know, instead of Slayer coming out and saying, Dave isn't with us right now, and that sorry about that. And and Dave Lombardo come out with a statement going, I think their books are screwed up. Instead, if they said, all right, this isn't going to work out, but we've got a long history together, let's come up with a unified statement about why you're not playing with us. But then Tom Mariah, awesome. but then Tom Raya didn't take to Facebook and try to turn your fans against it, uh, against Dave Lombardo either. Right, so. which leaves Joe sort of with no recourse. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I stand with it. It's yeah. like, dude, that was just a that's just a mistake. You need to shut up and move on. So my feeling is that that you know John Leon put Joe in a spot, and he had you know because there's right. the accusations. I think you're wrong. I think that the that that White Wizard, not as a band but as individuals, mm-hmm. handled this perfectly. Okay. By talking to us. Okay. That okay. There you go. I I like that idea. They did get it out there and put it uh, and put it out there in front of the public. Yeah. I appreciate the fact that that Joe Michael came on the show to talk about what was going on right now. And so and and I should know, add, we would have talked to John Leon, except for the fact that he's mustained uh, uh, the Metal Sucks guys like two or bunch. three times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, totally. it's like I, I you know I got billable hours. I I can't like <laughs> sit around in the studio waiting for somebody to Come on, call. Man. I already on, got man. that screwed up Michael Keane doing that to me. Yeah, I know. I, I know. lost nearly two billable hours because of that. Sorry, prick. I'm sorry. It happens. What musicians are flaky? <laughs> no. <laughs> Never. I've never met a flaky musician in my 25 years in this business. Be, you ever. know. You know what? Or 20. You know or what? 19 or y- so. Whatever. Y- you go on. You can be flaky with another podcast all you want. <laughs> this is the Metal Sucks podcast. We'll get them sooner or later. We've That's got a-, a humongous listener base. You don't flake out on us. And a terrible interview with uh, Adam D coming up.
Oh, I bet it, it, no, it's not bad. It's not dude. awful. It's, it's a Kill Switch Engage interview. That's I it. know, I know. We got to talk to Adam D from Kill Switch Engage. He's such a nice dude. He really is, man. But uh, but I feel like I woke him up or something. I don't know. It was <laughs> it was weird. It's what I don't know. I feel like when I get going and I'm yeah, I'm uh, kind of up and then uh, who I'm talking to is kind of yeah, man. You know, kind of <laughs> down. I'm like, oh, it was a little weird for me for some reason. But it's okay. It's all right. There's good interviews. There's great interviews, and then there's. You know, sort of there, there they are. It just really kind of hangs out there. So I'm not afraid to even post the there they are sort of <laughs> from time to time. Killswitch Engage, of course, they're going on tour with uh, Lamb of God and um, oh, who else is on that? Testament, I think, is on that. Uh, Ooh, what a lineup. Uh, on that tour. So we talk about that a little bit. Uh, and also the Disarming the Descent, the new record that they've got out or that's been out since uh, April, June. Yeah, which is a good album. Like it's very good. It's their first back with uh, Jesse Leach, of course, everybody in the know on that. So we get to talk about that here and hear it from the horse's mouth. So Killswitch Engage on the Metal Sucks podcast. <laughs> I'll give you a formal introduction. Adam D. from uh, Killswitch Engage, guitar player, producer, uh, recorder. Well, you do so many different things, dude. You get, what, a thousand different hats but these I, days, right? But I excel, I excel at King Digweed. Ah. really well. Yeah. <laughs> I have heard that about you. Yeah, the biggest jerk in music. That's, uh, that's what they say. <laughs> yeah. No, they don't. Everybody they loves you. Sure what do. You- I, if, no, I actually embrace that title. I love it. <laughs> I'm just trying to upset everybody. That's all. So, who can we piss off today? You got to talk. You got to talk shit about somebody, right? Oh, uh, your mom. Oh no, she's already been <laughs> no. done too many times, dude. So yeah, that's no fun. Oh man, you're just setting them up. I'm See, I know exactly. <laughs> done and done. No, no, no. I'm, I don't want to pick on anyone. Everybody's cool with me. Yeah, I, actually, that's one of the things uh, that that I've kind of known about you throughout the years is uh, pretty cordial with everybody, dude. Most most people have uh, nothing but good things to say about you. Well, it's uh, pretty important to be a, a nice human. I think there's uh, not enough nice humans in this world, you know. Um, and I, it, it always bothered me, like kind of growing up in the metal, the hardcore community. I was down to earth. Everybody was, and then as soon as pe- people started paying attention to our band, I started noticing all the other bands who had chips on their shoulders and egos and all that crap and it definitely just you know rubbed me the wrong way i was like i hope i never become that and, you know we i think we everybody in the band strives to be a normal human i think it's important so yeah you get people turn just kind of turn against you hey, whatever sell out you said that kind of crap you know we're always going to get that because you know we're no longer playing you know extreme metal in basements but you know we're lucky to be doing what we're doing and you know i'm never going to take that for granted so whatever man it's not legit dude yeah. <laughs> no, we don't wear uh, corpse paint and do blast beats. No. Well, However, that would be kind of funny if you did, though. Every, every once, like off. every once in a while, you know. Why not? <laughs> You've been busting your ass doing a lot of production, man. You got a new album coming out with uh, that you what executive produced the new Devil Wears Prada album, right? Yeah, I spent a couple weeks with them uh, down in Atlanta, uh, working with their producer Matt Goldman, really good guy. I uh, just kind of came in and um, told them what I liked and what I didn't like about the material and uh, helped track uh, a lot of the vocals with Mike and, uh, yeah, drank some beer. and It was a good time. That's probably the most different thing about that album is actually the vocals, I think, compared to what they've done before. Because you worked on Dead Throne, too, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Was it different doing the executive producer thing versus the producer thing? Well, definitely, because 
you know, I didn't want the producer to get the vibe that I was coming in to steal the show. Yeah. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, he's the one, it's his blood, sweat, and tears. He's the guy in the studio every day grinding through. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not there to sweep up the glory. I'm just there to kind of help out and give my two cents and all that. So, you know, there were times I, I kind of felt myself um, kind of trying to step out of the way, uh, trying to, you know, keep out of their, their, what they were working on. But, um, you know, it was still kind of cool to get in there and, you know, have my say. And they were all welcome to hear my opinion. And, you know, so it was just a very creative atmosphere. It's very cool. Do you prefer that role, or is it is it easier to get in there when they're still, like, the, the nuts and bolts are still moving? Oh, man, I, honestly, either one. I just like being creative, and I like making music. And, you know, bringing a song through its stages is kind of a, a really cool job, and really rewarding just to see, a, you know, a song kind of grow up and become mature, you know? So how does that work when you are producing one of your own songs or one of your own albums versus somebody else? Because, I mean, it's one thing to put your ears on somebody else's stuff, but it's hard to hear your own stuff from the outside. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same thing, man, to be honest. Um, you know, of course, I, I have a better, um, I guess I'm just more, like, invested in, in my band just because I've been working on it longer. Mm. Um but at the same time, you know, this is where that whole ego and pride thing comes in. I know working on our record, you know, something that I believe in, it really it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like the best part or the the highlight of the record. It's something that I love, you know, like I put all that aside and listen to what everybody's doing and listen to everybody's opinions and, you know, kind of put it all together with that in mind. Yeah, I would figure it'd be really hard to separate because that's why I always tell people when they're recording something, especially local local bands or whatever, get somebody else to listen to it because you've heard this stuff a thousand times in the rehearsal room. You recorded yeah. it, you know. Get somebody else's ears on it and let them let them listen to it. It's so easy to become kind of you know get demoitis, I guess you call it. You know where you just kind of you know write it and then that's how you hear it for you know forever. It's like oh well, that's the way it is because that's the way I wrote it. You know. And, yeah, it's not doesn't mean necessarily you know the, the, the way it first came out. It doesn't mean it's the uh, the best way or the best it can be. You know, there's always a uh, room for improvement and tweaks, and things can always be better or things feel great. You know, that's just the way it is. You got to feel it out. You know. Yeah, get try to get it just dialed in just right. Yeah, yeah, you know. <clears throat> I'd just be afraid that if I was working on my own stuff, that I would just not stop. You know, the, oh, I can always tweak this or I can always tweak that. I mean, yeah, how do you, you know stop what? working on some? I've caught myself in that mode a bunch, and now I've come to a good place where I I kind of believe every record that you work on is uh, kind of a stamp in time uh, for that band at that specific time in their career. You know what I mean? If you look at it like that, then you can put everything aside, and the little things that you think could always be a little bit better, you just have to accept them for what they are and realize that's what the band sounds like right now, and you got to move on, you know. What do you think about that when bands take one of their old records and re-record the shit or do stuff I, like I that? I hate that. I hate that, man, because then it's, you know, not going to be the same. I always hate when bands, you know, try to recreate something they've done a long time ago and make it better. Like, who's successfully done that? You know, not many, if anybody, you know. You know, it's one thing to remaster. It's still the original track. It's still the original vibe. Still everything's there, you know. It's just, you know, maybe the audio gets a little cleaner, a little louder, but... Beyond that, you know, you know, you're trying to just recreate soul in a time, you know, and yeah, I don't know, yeah. I don't really agree with it. Yeah, who was it that did that? The year was it Ozzy that did that a few years back, a few years ago, where he was remastering something and then decided to re-record the drum parts or something like there was something weird about it, and 
I just thought that was the strangest thing to do because, like you're saying, it's like that magic that you have when you're making that record. It just seems to lose its 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 stuff from when it was made. Right, right, exactly. You know, it's like I said, every record's a time and place, man. You know, what's your favorite time and place? You've worked with dozens and dozens and dozens of bands. I mean, I could list what forty, fifty of them. Who's your favorite person to work with, man? Oh, uh, come on, man, just name it I out. Just throw it down there. I don't know. <laughs> I, look, I'm, I, um, I'm asking you the best person, not the worst person. So, so at least we're going that route. <laughs> yeah, you know, to be honest, uh, I, I have a pretty good time with every record I make. You know, um, you know, there's always you know hardships that can make uh, you know a certain tracking session difficult. Like you know, say if there's problems with the guitars, you know, they're not set up right or they're not staying intonated, or you know, say you have a hard drive crash and you lose some files, you know, or you know, something like that, but, you know, I don't know, I try to have a good time with whatever I'm working on. I mean, the most memorable, what, what are some of the most memorable sessions you've had over the years? Uh, I think I drank them all away, <laughs> I don't know. I, like, I don't have those memories anymore, man. Yeah, they're gone, man, I, I pretty much just remember what happened yesterday, that's it. No. Uh, right, I know. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Yeah, I guess every, every recording session has its own little things, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, I have a lot of good records, a lot of good memories. It's a lot of things. Work with a lot of nice kids. Uh, and uh, at this point, you guys are getting uh, getting long on the tooth, man. You're getting old these days, right? Oh, Jesus. We're going to die soon. <laughs> Come on. Oh, man, I, I'm so unhealthy. I got high blood pressure. I'm just a mess. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's all that, all that clean living. and Clean living. All I do is drink beer and eat salt. I wonder why I have high blood pressure. I don't know, what can we have, right? What could possibly be? Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, salt, coffee, and beer. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's pretty uh, much my life. That sounds like, you know, the, the right kind of tour life. It keeps you going. Uh, yeah, the, the greatest things on earth, besides music. You know. Got to talk about the new record, uh, Disarming it the Descent. It came out in, came out in <clears> June. April, I think. Yeah. It, was, was it April or was it? I thought it was a little late. I don't remember. It's been out I for a little that. while. <laughs> you probably know more than me. That's I don't remember. I, I, I wrote it down somewhere, and I never use my notes. I'm, I'm terrible about that. Good, good, good. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a, you try to be organized, but you just can't. I don't know. But uh, organization, organization. Yeah, sure. right. Yeah. I hear you. So, what do you what do you think, man? How's it How's it having Jesse back in the band, man? Well, Jesse's great because you know I, I always say this in interviews. It's um. It's great to have him back, you know, as a friend, you know, one of my best friends. And uh, also um, just this, this guy who's been out of it for so long, you can just see the excitement still, you know, he's back doing it and full time and he's not working his day job anymore. And he's just love being, he's loving being a musician. Uh, it's uh it kind of fires everybody in the band up, you know, to see this like kind of newbie, you know, just like that new fire where, whereas like, We've all been doing this for 13 years straight, so you know it's there's been no time off for us. So to get that spark back is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and that goes a long, especially with a you know, front man kind of being leader of the pack out there. Oh yeah, he's stoked, man. You guys have a good chemistry together, anyway. You did the you know Times of Grace stuff and all that, and I mean it seemed like you guys have always had wanted to work together musically. As soon as I saw the Times of Grace thing going kind of figured that it was almost inevitable when once Howard had said he was going to be leaving the band or whatever, that it was going to be Jesse back, back with you guys. Yeah. Uh, Jesse and I have always had that, that kind of uh, creative chemistry, you know, whereas like we always keep each other in check when we're writing material and, 
you know, I think when we work on lyrics together, it's just a really, really cool, creative process, you know, and, um, I don't know, we just kind of balance each other out and, uh, ends up working out all right, I think. We, uh, make, make some, uh, some stuff that we're kind of proud of. Kind of proud of? Come yeah, on. You know? Really proud. Come on. Be proud of it. Well, no, I don't really get that proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's all right, whatever. Yeah. You don't have to be humble. You can say it's the best record ever made in the history of metal if you want to. Yeah, I mean, you I can go ahead and put. I definitely would not say that. Okay, all right. How's the. Uh... I would not say that anything that Kills with Engage does is the best record ever made in metal. There okay. you go. <laughs> So how's the crowd response been with the, uh, because I know that they're, anytime you change a member of the band, especially lead singer, there's a, there's a Howard Camp, there's a Jesse Camp. You know, a lot of people were disappointed when he left the first time around. Has it been a good response bringing him back? Yeah. Well, all the shows that we played have, uh, have been great, you know, and um, everyone seems to be like really, really responding to the new material. Um, and it's pretty funny. We're, we're noticing a lot of our, um, a lot of our audiences are getting younger. You know, I'm like, Jesus, who, who are all these freaking kids? You know, so it's, uh, I guess we're, we're reaching people still, which is uh, pretty pretty awesome, you know. Uh, so, you know, just to see everybody kind of accepting the new material and accepting Jesse back, is, is it's a great thing. It's, uh, hey man, they're not getting any younger. They're, they're, they're the same age. We're just getting older, that's all. Yeah, like I said, we're dying. <laughs> <laughs> Every single day. Think about that, sure kids. Sure are, sure are. Think about that, kids. Oh, fabulous. The one thing that I noticed about the new record, the most, like if I, there's any criticism that I was going to give you uh, out of the whole thing, is that it sound with Jesse back in front, Sounds amazing. It's one of the best sounding records that you guys have ever done. But it also sounds like you guys are still feeling out some of the writing chops a little bit. You know, there's a, there's definitely a formula to what you guys were doing on this album. Do you feel like you've gotten, you still have some stuff to work work in and flex some of those writing muscles again? Well, we uh, we can always be better, of course. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I think, you know. Yeah, I think uh, the, the record kind of came out pretty fast because it was right at that point where we were all off the road for a little while. Um so when it came time to write music, I think everybody just like threw out a million ideas. So it could have been just like the fact that it was a, a, a quick time period or something mm, like that, yeah. you know, getting the material together. Uh, but it felt good to us because it felt very streamlined and like a, a very quick, you know, to the point record, which is what we were going for, you know. Yeah, there's no there's no beating around the bush with them. I mean, it was what every song is three and a half minute, boom, bam, 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 just to, yeah. Yeah, an Three attack. and a half or less. Yeah, right. Keep it tight. Yeah, which is pretty strange for if you go back through the the last three three albums. You know, it's a it's a little bit different pattern. Yeah, and and I saw a lot of the older songs were a bit you know slow paced. You know, a little bit too um, like especially the last record with Howard, uh, a little too singer songwriter. Um, I think that's where Howard and Brendan O'Brien's uh, uh, relationship came in together. You know, they were both very very. Really, really, really attentive to getting the the vocals feeling like pop songs almost, you know, um, which you know was was pretty cool, but it's not necessarily the thing for us all the time, you know. Yeah, is that something that you're trying to stay away from now, or I mean, is that because well, that well, could be I a da- that's a dangerous line to ride, you know? Yeah, I think we're all you know we're all hardcore metal dudes that like hardcore and metal, so why don't we go back to what we like, you know? So. <laughs> I think that's what the, the mindset was with this new record. So uh, the big question is, is um, everybody has been saying that uh, metalcore is dead. Is, is metal is metalcore as a genre, quote unquote, um, dying or dead? 
Uh, well, there's a lot of... I don't even pay attention to the, the genre classifications. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think metal is dead. Um, metal is alive and well. You know, like the, the verse singing chorus, verse singing chorus thing is dubbed as metalcore. Then, yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot of bands out there that are doing it, and a lot of bands that are uh, doing it very... Uh, with with a lot of mediocreness, you know, um, and every, everything feels the same now, uh, especially with the way records are sounding nowadays too. It just sounds a, a lot like, uh, you know, well, let's program the drums and, you know, let's grid edit everything to the T. So it just sounds like a video game, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's becoming a little mediocre or a little samey. Um, but you know, I think the, the actual genre of metal is a lot of files. So I don't think that'll ever go away. I mean, the only reason I really ask you about it is because you guys are one of the birthers of the, of that style of music and definitely brought it to the forefront. Cause if anybody survives out of a genre shift, it's usually the people who began it. So if anybody can survive it, it would be kill switch engage versus, you know, cause I think about new metal and the ones that still survive are the, you know, the Slipknots or, uh, you know, something like that. And they're still considered, uh, you know, top of their game versus everybody who came after. Yeah. Yeah. Well, any, any band that kind of reaches any level of success will always have some form of a copycat or I guess, but, uh, you know, we're just, we're, we're lucky. We're still able to do this, man. It's been 13 years and my God, it's crazy. You know? <laughs> and, uh, I don't know what's, uh, I guess we'll just keep making music. You know, I, I don't think it's what we're out to make metalcore. I think it's about to make, uh, music we're all uh everybody in the band is inspired by all sorts of different styles and, and i think that's where this band was birthed from you know like we all like melody we all like you know just all different sounds we try to incorporate that in what we do you know the new thing nowadays is uh everybody's doing working on side projects or collaborating with everybody i know that you at one point were working on something with corpse grinder is that still something in the works i am currently working on said project oh really yes I am. <laughs> What's that going to look like? Uh, well, uh, the drums are done. Uh, I'm still tracking some guitars and some bass. Uh, and tentatively, uh, George is supposed to fly up here to start tracking some vocals in a week or so. Pretty? Is it going to be? Um, I mean, it, I don't. I don't know that George can sing. <laughs> I mean, other than his well, he, his he greatest, his growl, he has the greatest death metal voice. I know, right? Uh, so I, I wrote I wrote a, just a really fast record for him to just make noise over. So. Uh, yeah, it. Uh, I was stoked, man. It was the year we did uh, Mayhem, and uh, both Black Dahlia and uh, Cannibal were on the tour. And you know, just every day listening to those two bands, I was just like, man, this is awesome. And we were just out drinking one night, all of us. And uh, well, Shannon wasn't because he was he doesn't drink, but uh, he's chilling. And I'm like, you know what? What if I wrote a record for you guys to play on? Would you do it? And they both said yes. And then I just came home and wrote a record. And here we are. Well, George seems like I've met him a couple of times. He seems like one of the nicest dudes ever. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think so looking at him on stage. But uh, yeah, he's super down to earth and just you know he just wants to chill. He's a good dude. And you know, just one of the one of the classic death metal voices of all time. Yeah, he's pretty much my, one of my favorite death metal vocalists out out there. You know, who who can you know make that noise? Nobody, just him. So were you able to translate that? I mean, did, I mean, was it fun writing a record like that? Absolutely, it was a lot of fun. You know, it's just, uh, you know, I I like 
I like some death metal. You know, I, I like fast, aggressive music. So to be able to actually explore that was a, a really, really fun thing for me. And see, what's cool nowadays, you don't have to leave your band to try to do it either, right? No, not at all. Nope. When did you have to do that? You hear about that? Oh, we just had creative differences. So band blows up, and and that means that means ego. Nobody listens to me in the rehearsal room. <laughs> Mom, they don't like my riffs. <laughs> Do you guys have any kind of fights like that when you guys are writing music or when you guys are no, no, other than typical like on the road stuff? But if somebody brings up something that isn't cool, we just like, hey, that riff isn't that cool. And the person will go, OK, well, let's try something else. It's that easy and it should be that easy. Well, and I'm sure you have a different perspective on that Working work with a lot of people in the studio. It gets to be a little bit more. You can speak your mind a little bit. You know, I run into bands with um, kind of control freaks once, you know, once in a while. But uh it's never really a, a huge situation, you know. There are definitely guys in bands that are like, I call the shots, blah, 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 you know. And some bands need that uh, need that direction, need that control, you know. Got to have somebody to point, point them or else they're never going to never gonna make it to the interviews, never going to make it to the show on time. Yeah, it's, it's true, even, even creatively, you know. Like yeah. Maybe a record will just never happen if somebody isn't there to push, you know. You guys got a big tour coming up, man. Uh are you ever going to stop touring? Like you guys are relentless, oh, man. I, I ask that to our managers like every day. <laughs> Can we just stop for a little while? And uh, no, right now it's, it's great. We're on about a month, month and a half break. Um, it feels really nice to be home. You know, I've, I've been home for maybe like a week in the past, like six months, you know? So it's, uh, it feels really, really nice. But, uh, yeah, it'll be a great tour because, you know, we, we love all the Lamb of God teams. They're all great guys and a, gr- a great camp to be on tour with, you know. You guys, uh, Lamb of God, Testament, right? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, man, everybody in the band is freaking stoked for that, too. There's, uh, you know, just one of those classic, classic thrash bands been doing it forever. I don't understand why they are the biggest band in the entire world because they're great. You know, they've been doing, doing such a, a cool thing for so long. But still, like, on top of their game live, you know? Like, Chuck Billy's one of those dudes that I always thought if, if anybody was going to fall off vocally, he'd be one of those guys that would have to that would have fallen by the wayside at some point, and he's just stepped up his game over the years. Yeah, absolutely. And they're still putting out great material, too, which is really, really cool to see. I think that's going to be a really, really big tour for you guys, man. Uh, plus, I guess, what, Lamb of God's first full-on U.S. tour post <laughs> You gonna have barricades? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, that, that was a mess. Uh, that sucks. It, it really sucks for all parties involved. You know, you, you never want anyone to get hurt at a show. You see other shows where it's just unhinged and crazy, and you kind of want that vibe, right? But start to fear that stuff happening, especially when you see people get litigious with it. You know, I've, I've, we played a lot of shows, and we've never had a problem. And you know, so it's. I guess it's just a, a freak thing that happened, you know. It's um, just pretty pretty weird. Because to be honest with you, whenever we're playing, I'm never really thinking about people getting hurt because we've never really had anything like that happen. Like I said, a, a freak, strange thing, you know. Yeah, somebody asked me about that with you guys. I was like, no, they're not. I was like, Killswitch has never been a band that invited people up on stage to stage dive or anything like that. Where you oh, see, can, oh, we have, we have. I don't see. I don't remember you guys doing that a whole lot. Uh, well, you know, it all. It's a time and place. You know, if the if the if the vibe is right, yeah, you know, it's it's, pretty, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, you want it to go ape shit, but at the same time, it's like, well, it's uh, maybe it's part of me getting older too. Oh, yeah, you're gonna get hurt if you jump off there if you aren't careful. You damn it. 
Nah, nah. Have a good time, and as long as the 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 you know the crowd seems like they're all taking care of each other and uh, looking out for each other, then, then you're pretty much good to go. You know. Anything else going on, man? That that you got happening these days? I mean, I know you're kind of off, so you're probably just chilling. But uh... tours, we keep touring and touring, and I spend a lot of time in airplanes and uh, help. <laughs> it's a uh, no, everything's great, and yeah, we're, we're excited to do this tour, and want to, of course, thank our fans for you know supporting us and coming to the shows and listening to the records, buying the records, and all that because you know this, this band can't be a band without people supporting it. You know? Pretty freaking cool. We appreciate everybody. Beyond the Flames from a Disarming the Descent from Kill Switch Engage. Thanks to uh, Adam D for sitting in with us here on the Metal Sucks podcast. It wasn't awful. No, it was a good interview. All right, all right. It was all right. It was cool. I'm, I'm, I swear, man. Sometimes I get a little. Uh, I overanalyze things a little bit sometimes. I don't think you're. I That's you're, why I do this podcast. I think if you overanalyzed it, I think you would find that it's a terrific interview. And another, and just a. You know, you want to talk feathers in the cap. Stop kissing my ass. 
I'm kissing our ass, man. Because <laughs> if you were putting we, this on a different podcast, I'd be ripping the hell out of you. We, we need more of that. Man, that was awful, dude. That was the worst interview ever. You ever hear that, man? Uh, ask the same questions you ask everybody else. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, but no, we definitely appreciate uh, the Kill Switch Engage stopping in on the uh, Metal Sucks podcast. Next week, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. We don't know who we're going to have. We, we're trying to get our interviews a little more timely these days. Yeah. We got built up with a whole bunch and uh, got kind of behind. So now we've got uh, this week we're going to talk to uh, chance from uh from uh, skeleton witch and roddy from uh protest the hero right. i don't know if that's gonna which one's gonna make it on next week's podcast but you must subscribe to this damn podcast because it is uh, a, a great show yeah you subscribe on itunes give us five stars and then rip the hell out of us but use a lot of keywords so that other people can find yeah, we the need show. to upgrade the seo you know yeah. so that we get enlisted a little bit better exactly. but we post it every monday we make sure that we have a new show for you every single monday i met somebody uh, earlier this week who had not heard the show so i should also say you know make spread sure word spread the word yeah yeah that, that also helps as well yeah. so you know let people know and 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 speaking of spreading the word i am now on twitter so oh, you can no. follow me on, oh no you can follow me at godless speaks yeah and just so you know i just got on so i got like nobody following oh, no. so if you want to make sure that i hear what you say you, it's a good time to jump on board now that is so dangerous for you dude so i already trolled the dangerous. faceless so <laughs> I, i'm ready to like start trolling like hardcore and we are off i tell you what oh boy <laughs> Well, this uh, this episode we've been uh, we've been sort of uh, hitting a song at the end of the episodes and fade them out. But I wanted to play you a full song from Protest the Hero's new record because it is so badass, right? I no, just, I can't. it is oh. it's so good. You can't even tell. I, I hate to I hate to even hint to anybody how good this record is because you need to go and listen to it for yourself and really really examine what you think about it because it's so it's just so good, man. It really is. But hey. People heard us talking about how great the Carcass record was. And, of course, the Carcass record is the best album of the year. I, best of maybe five years, maybe best of ten years. Yeah, Protest the Heroes, not, they're, they're close. Yeah, it's it's not that good, but it's not, it's not as good as the Carcass record. Top record's five of the year, so I love you, guaranteed. But, but, but not quite there, man. I would say it's definitely going to be in my top five this year, dude. Yeah. And you must check it out. But we got to wrap this thing up and end it with, let's see, what's the song called? We're going to do Without prejudice from protest the hero i'm chickity chuck i'm godless and this has been the metal sucks podcast
was all over in one stunned, horrifying second.